All right, welcome into Cleveland Browns Daily. Let's go straight to the podium. Here's Coach Stefanski. Maybe, you know, when people are talking about this team that you've been really pleased with in seeing the progress they've made over the last two to three weeks. Yeah. Knowing me, you know, I'm probably not going to single anybody out. Yeah. I just tell you they're rookies as a class. I think they've uh, they've definitely made strides. You've seen it in the games, which is always important when they take the practice field to the game. So I think that's been great. Uh, plenty of room to grow for those guys, making mistakes, which you expect to see. But always good to see a rookie class get some game action uh, in these preseason games. You guys picked a punter yesterday. How much of a difference maker can Corey's leg be? It looks like he kicks the yeah, I mean, you, you want your punter to be a weapon. Uh, so Corey uh, is somebody that we're excited about when we went out and got him uh, to be able to to use him in, in some plus 50 situations, especially pin a defense down. We almost had an opportunity to do that in the last game. Uh, and then, you know, that ability to hold and that battery between Charlie, Corey, and Cade is important. We talked to uh, um, Miles earlier today. He really made a point to say that we're a jump. Jordan Elliott has made. You've been here all three years. What do you, how have you seen him progress? Yeah, Jeff, I think we've talked about Jordan. He's walking by right now. Uh, talked about him quite a bit, and uh, it's going. it goes back to the spring. I, I think he committed himself uh, to, to physically getting bigger and stronger and, and being a pro pro at this, uh, and, and he's done it. So he's a young man that's, that's I think, maturing, and, and his game has uh, come along as well. On the talked to Miles too. He brought up some of the. He's talked about this before, but some of the little things he's changed this off season to like improve his core, try to maybe hinder, like get rid of those nagging injuries that pop up throughout the season, and some mental changes he's made. I guess just like, have you seen those little things come out when he's on the field yet? And I know Joe Woods has talked about how he thinks he, you know, still has so much more to give. I guess just your thoughts in general. Yeah, I think when when you see Miles at practice, you know, for the offensive staff, they don't love having Miles out there because he can ruin a practice pretty quickly uh, just because he's so physically gifted. Uh, now, having said that, I know Coach Kiff and I think Miles would also say he's got, he does have room to grow. There's areas of, of his game that we, he wants to get better at, uh, and I know Kiff and he have talked about that and have worked that. Uh, but, you know, the, the mental side of that, I think every player uh, has, has room to improve. Uh, every coach has room to improve when it comes to that area. On the subject of uh, young guys, it seems like a lot's going to be uh, expected or asked of some of your young receivers. I'm just curious, how, how have you seen them handle the ebbs and flows, the good days and the bad days, and, and that type of thing? Yeah, I, I think it, it's a it is a young room in there, um, and I think Coach O'Shea's done a really nice job with those guys, uh, understanding how to be a pro and how to study and and those type of things. So there, there's good days, there's bad days, and then big thing for receivers is you have to move on. you got to move on from one play to the next. Tony Fields has played a lot of snaps over the first two preseason games. What have you seen out of him this year? You know, just in strides he's taken from last year to this year and and what kind of impact he could have for, for this football team? Yeah, Tony's done a nice job. He, he played a lot of football for us last season on special teams and, and that's going to be an, another area or will continue to be an area that he can make a big impact on Sundays. Uh, he's gotten a ton of reps at linebacker and, and we may be counting on him at certain points this season. So he's trying to put it all together, but it's just a matter of just stacking reps for Tony. After a preseason game, you get those takeaways of things guys can improve on. 
when you're back here on the practice field, how do you go about individually targeting those areas while also broadening in with the team? What's that, what's that look yeah, like? it's a good question, Cam. I think for all these guys, you want to come out onto the practice field with something to improve. Sometimes you make them write it down. What do you want to get better at today? Sometimes you have an opportunity to do that in an individual period right away. Sometimes that's for after practice where you're working maybe by yourself, maybe with one other player. Uh, but you do want them to walk on this field thinking that there's an area, a very specific area that they need to improve. Once you get into regular season, is there less time for these young guys to improve? I mean, they're so concerned with the game plan in a given week. Does that cut, cut back on their learning? <sighs> No, well, I think it, to your point, Tony, we are handing them a game plan and we're trying to test them. So we're giving them a lot today and tomorrow and we want them. To, all right, here's a game plan. I got to study this. I got to know this and then I'm going to pour it out after this week uh, and we're going to challenge them. We're putting a lot of scheme in this week that we may not necessarily run in the game, but I want to challenge them mentally. Having said all that, you still have opportunities out here in individual period after practice to hone in on your skills. I don't think you ever uh, go a day without working your fundamentals in this game. What stands out about Yelda? Uh, Yelda's very, very strong, plays really physical, uh, intelligent player, has played in a bunch of different schemes, uh, so he's done a nice job. Have you ever been to Denver? I have not. It's on, it's on my list, though. Is it kind of impressive when a guy you know, kind of recommits his whole life to coming over here just because he likes football? Yeah, he's got an amazing story. Uh, I know this. His teammates really like him. Uh, he works extremely hard. Let's do practice in Denmark next summer. Let's go. <laughs> Join practices in Denmark. Hey, where is your Kevin? This week you said you're going to challenge the guys. What have you? From a coaching standpoint, I know you get a lot to process, especially when you're going through, uh, you know, team drills. Where does your eye go first? What are you looking for? What are the are you fine-tuning things at this point at uh, in camp? Yeah, I think you are, Tom. I think you're. At this point in camp, you're into the third preseason game, so you're starting to streamline into what you may be doing in week one. We're not a team, and, and most teams don't show you much in the preseason, so we won't show much in those games. But here out of practice, we're going to try some different things and move guys around the formation and use different defenses and offenses that we want to get reps on and feel comfortable then taking it into the season. How much will this, these couple of practices here Im impact your decision as far as how much you want to play your regular Saturday night? I don't think the practices themselves will have much of a, an impact on that. That's something I've really just started talking to the coaches about. I'll, I'll talk to, Once we make a decision, I'll talk to the team about it. But these practices are more just a, a matter of getting good work in. Is it, uh, is it that the point where Watson now works only on his own? Or does he still take reps? He'll still take reps, maybe more in... Uh, show team type looks, you know, going against our defense carded type periods. Uh, but everything that Deshaun does out here on the practice field uh, when it comes to individual show team reps, post-practice work, off to the side work, I think it all adds up. You expect Greg back uh, soon? I do. Soon. Today? Uh, getting close. Was Isaiah able to make it to Thompson for the baby? He was there for the baby. Yes, he was. He, he had to be. Yeah. Is he back yet? Uh, what's today? I think he's coming back tonight. Kevin, it seems like you're pretty generous with um, giving guys an opportunity to go be with their family. And then I know a baby's different, but even <laughs> Miles, you know, missed four practices to be with the family member. Can you just talk about your philosophy on the whole family piece? Yeah, I don't know. It's necessarily my philosophy, Mary Kay. I just think we're, we're all human. We have all, all of us have things going on outside of 
these walls and in our personal lives and just want to make sure that, that we're here to support our guys. You, uh, you know, get when you have the joint practices, you get together with the other coaching staff mm-hmm. and kind of lay things out. Curious, when it comes to preseason, is there any type of conversation that happens between coaches as far mm-hmm. as, hey, it'd be nice if we could do this in the game at some point or things like that, or is it just strict competition? No, I talk to the coaches every week. I talked to Coach Iberflus yesterday, and really you're, you're trying to make sure that both sides can get work done uh, but you you want to you don't want to surprise anybody. So, you know, in the last game we weren't going to go into goal line personnel. Really, any preseason game you're not going to get into goal line personnel. Uh, you're not going to zero blitz the, the other team. So those are some of the rules of engagement in the preseason, uh, just to make sure that you're getting solid work done and, and you're really working together in that regard. Okay. Good. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Guys. Thanks. All right. There's Coach Stefanski at the podium from right now. Not earlier today. Right now, as we do it live on a Tuesday edition. How you living, buddy? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, on. There you go. I didn't you're know. Good. I yeah, get you're safe. Safe, pal. You're safe. We're good. I mean, you know, you start the show off right there. Coach the fancy. Not going to give you much. And he said that the very first question. Well, you know you know me. I'm not <laughs> going to give you any specific players. Okay. So here it we go. It gets better when you have games, like regular season games. Because there's consequence. Like, Right now, the questions to coach, I mean, I understand what, our, what your beat is trying to do. Like, you're trying to ask questions that get you to a thought that is something that can be written about or is interesting to the fans. It's the gig, right? Yep. So you try to frame it in a way that gets you to that end. But he's not having it. He's not interested in that. What he's interested in is saying words without leading to anything that will create anything. So – that's what you get. So there you go. That is what you get. But we've got, listen, I got a chance to talk with our good friend uh, Jason Tarver, Browns linebacker coach. We'll have that today. That's going to be a well, lot of gosh, fun. Oh, gosh, we got Van Pelt today. We got Miles today. And Tarver. At podiums and Tarver. So, that, I mean, Tarver's going to be great. Of course Did you is. see him in the, what did I see him in? Oh, it was in the building, the Browns. Yeah, and his visor with his the hair. The visor with the hair just, just flows yeah. over the visor. Yeah. Is a visor something that doesn't get as much run as it used to, or was it properly used in its time and now that time is gone i don't think they do get enough run i'm not afraid of a visor at all i think visor can be great I, i'm i'm happy that the visor that had the same peak as like a hat like that in my mind I, oh, I like picture the- brad faxon wearing one while he's golfing <laughs> like i'm happy that that's exactly what i was gonna say he's the perfect that perfect that i'm glad visor. that that visor Only is brad gone Faxon wore that but that like low visor that the coach charver wears is great and i think you know just as the DBs now have their their defensive back hoodies. I think that the linebacker room should all get like Tarver visors and wear those together. And if they want to put get a visor with a built in like flop with it, go for it. I mean, I think that'd be like that you can yeah. get it like carnivals where it looks yeah. like you have like the yeah, Miss Kay's going into a golf outing on Thursday, and Miss Kay's a golfer. Yeah, she can smack it every now and then. I didn't know she played. I, usually when we talk of the golf it's she drives the cart and correct you play no she's it's i think it's a team building thing they're doing ah, so she was ah. she was sourcing today some fun hats and things of that nature oh that's for fun. set that's event yeah. yeah but i think that'd be great for the linebackers i'd love to see that spurrier was the greatest example of a visor wearing coach and oh, yeah the old ball used coach. it to he he had if you go old school way back spurrier he had like the fax and visor and then that evolved into what we now see more often although we don't see him as much there was a time 20 years ago when a visor was pretty common 
It's oh, a pretty yeah. Pretty common thing that you would see going to sporting events. Yeah, it's and coaches and and just around in social settings, you'd see a lot of visor play. And now it feels like it's just gone the way of the dodo for the most part. There aren't and many. That's why Coach Tarver's a hero. John Gruden, also a good visor in the early part of his. I think that career. was inspired by Spurrier. Probably. Pretty sure. Because by the end, he was wasn't he wearing a hat down there with the Raiders at the end? Yes, yes. correct. But at the start, yeah, he was a big Bay visor days. guy. Yeah. Speaking even, of even original Raider days, he was yep, visor. Correct. How about the fact have you seen the, the latest kerfuffle between Kyle Shanahan and the league? Well, about his hat? Yeah. Has there been any more pushback to it? Or he said he's upset about it. I know that. But was there any answer? I think he's either going to do it and pay a fine or not. But he likes to wear that black flat brim hat yeah. with a teeny little red. There's a red one, too, that he has. And he wears got a the red black one. Inverted. Yeah. It's inverted. But he, that's not a current year hat. And I don't know if that ever him. was a hat, was it? Was that ever I, a hat you could buy? I don't know. I'm sure you could. I, I guarantee people in the Bay Area would have that hat. But they, they're, I guess they're cracking down on him. He's not happy about it. This is my preferred hat. I just want to see. Police. Here's I want to thing. see if you could actually at any point have bought that hat. Because I, my hunch is that it, it kind of has the look and feel to me of a custom job. I've never seen like our ver so it's a new era cap. So then it's a yeah, but it was it's a new a era fifty nine. It looks like a fifty nine fifty snapback. Yes, snapback with mesh. Yep, that's right. Um, yeah. So what's it's a, interesting about it though it's is a it real appears, one. It, it no, but I'm wondering if it was almost sewn on, like had the equipment staff just sew that on? They just took a plain red one and sewed that on because we didn't get the equivalent of that. We do not Normally have the equivalent of that. Do. Usually, there's a what? hat a for template. everybody. Well, everybody it has goes. the camo hat, right, for training camp this year. And you're right. There's a typically a template. But they sell a variety of hats that are officially licensed team hats. Like you have the one that says Browns, 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 and kind of like that 70s. You have a catalog to choose from, sure. right? And not every team has that either. N no, but usually the template's the same across the league, right? For the standard stuff. Yeah. That's not a standard stuff hat. That's it almost has point. the feel of, t of custom job. I love it. And he should be able to wear it. By the way, where, I, I wish I missed the days of a, a football coach out there in a suit. It's great. That'd be a great look again. Bring that back. What was the guy's name? All right. So Landry was the most Landry. Uh, all these guys. But even go back, what was the, the guy the Chiefs? Like a, a Hank Stram. Oh, Hank Stram, like oh, way in the yeah. old days. I love the look of like the suit with the spot built black cleats with the white laces. Uh, like that look for the coach is a strong look. The, Wasn't that a Dicka look? Oh, I'm sure. I think everybody wore that look. Was a suit. I don't know when that. Ditko stopped. was more of a. Didn't he wear that the sweater vest? Oh, yeah, right. with the tie, the sweater vest. But he had the shoes. He, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. And Paterno always wore the black shoes with the white laces. I think the. Um, do you guys remember when Reebok was the NFL uniform provider? Of course. And like Jack Del Rio and Mike Nolan wore Reebok coaches suits. Suits on the sidelines. That's right. Do you remember no. this? I don't, but I have a Courtney Brown Reebok Browns jersey from 2000. Oh, there you go. Guy hit us with a fax and pick already. And unreal. Yeah. Beautiful. But they tried to push the suits again. I don't know if anybody will do it. And then once you stop making it like the norm, we saw this in college basketball. College basketball coaches famously were natally attired in incredible suits from Armani and all of this oh, stuff. Oh, yeah. So in COVID, they didn't have to wear that stuff anymore. No. And now they're all just in track suits all the time. All track suits. I mean, no that's, good. What, that's what the NFL guys coach in, basically. Sweatpants yeah. and yeah, a T-shirt or a sweatshirt or whatever it is. Did Belichick ruin it? Who ruined it? That's a good question. Who ruined the it's, coaches it, are going to look nice situation? Yeah, just because it's consistently gotten more casual. Now as casual as possibly could be. Yeah, that's right.
You yep. have that, I believe you have that right. The fedora? The fedora. I worked with a guy in television who said that it was that John F. Kennedy ruined the hat for the American man. That up until that point, that was the deal. You wore a hat everywhere through the you know 30s, 40s, everywhere, Old West, the whole bit. And then when Kennedy refused to wear a hat, everyone emulated him. I don't know if that was true or not, but he said it with a certain amount of emphaticism that made me believe that it was. The rule is the rule. The dude abides. Yeah. Because <laughs> you don't see fedoras much anymore. There oh, was no. a little hipster time when they tried bringing it back with, like, swing dancing and stuff. Timberlake would wear them around. Come nah. on. Didn't take. No. Didn't for take. Good, and for good reason, I think. I don't know. You look pretty good. But you watch Mad Men or you watch the gangster guys, but, you know, watch Capone and those guys. Sure. Lucky Luciano feels like they look pretty smooth. Didn't they? Yeah. Take the hat. The hat is to, to take it off and to put it on the hat holder or the rack. Yeah. That's always a nice power move. Or, oh, we're about to fight. Let me take my hat off. Yeah. Let me roll up my roll sleeves Roll up your sleeves here. and really get after it. And then you get in a, like a nice George Mazanin pugilist pose. Yeah. That was it. Yeah. <laughs> Snap that jab off. I like it. I like it a lot. Um, yeah. Well, let's get into it. Let's find a, figure out if we ever had a Browns equivalent of the new era cap. I, I feel like we can figure that out pretty quickly. By the way, somebody t uh, tweeted us and said, football coaches should have to wear pads and a uniform during games like baseball managers. No, they shouldn't. It's absurd that baseball managers do it. I don't get it. It's easily the most absurd of any of the uniforms for coaches is the fact that they're in a full uniform. Like they're the only ones. Joe Torre in his 70s. In pinstripes. Out there in pinstripes. Like, could you imagine if at the end of, like, Phil Jackson's run, if he had to, like, sit there in shorts uniform. and wear, like, a uniform? No. Why do they, th why do, they do that in baseball? I, I guess is it's probably in the old days it was that you could possibly go play if you needed to. You could play if you had You're injuries. You're a player manager or something. Yeah, okay, but those... that you could play, but it, that's long since gone. Like, Tony La Russa looks absurd. And it's hard for me to bag on Tony La Russa. He's but... your guy. At the peak of my like childhood baseball love, I mean, he was a manager of record for a team that went to three straight World Series and mm -hmm. won one of them. He was great, great hair, covered the top of his ears, phenomenally. Yep. But now, less than, you know, nearly, you know, we're talking thirty three, thirty five years later, he doesn't have it anymore. He looks ridiculous in uniform. He's asleep half the time. The fans hate him. And he was he managed them before the A's, and then he won a World Series again, won maybe two with the Cards, didn't he? Yeah, won a couple with the Cards on the, or at least one, one. with the Cards. Yeah, yeah, he's great, Larusa. But Here's I think the, he's lost. It. What is he? Seventy eight? He's got to be at least. He looks pretty good for the number. I think we're going to be surprised at the number. My hunch was seventy eight. How close was I? Mentally, I'm not sure he's all there still. Seventy seven. Turned Nailed 78 it. October 4th. Boy, you really dialed that in. Nailed it. He doesn't look great. Let's just be. He's almost 80. The guy's been in the Baseball Hall of Fame since 2014. How's that even possible? Like once you go in, you shouldn't be able to still work? Yeah. Yeah. Someone calls and they offer you enough money. Yeah. Coming out of retirement. So he's a three-time World Series champion. One with the A's, 1989, the Bay Bridge Series. And then two with the Cards, 2006, oh, I was 2011. Right. Gibby corrected me and said one. Four times you? manager. You said somebody said corrected two, you, and then you said one, me. and then I was like, yeah, I didn't correct you. I, was, yeah. I had no clue. Yeah, it was two. And then they won one with Mike Matheny, I think. Four-time manager of the year, and he is, you know. Yeah, I think he his last year oh. with the Cards was Pujols' final year. What? I mean, we're also missing this. Bob Phillips. Ah, see, that's the good stuff. Bob Phillips dressed as a character out of Yellowstone is sold. Yeah, like me. you can absolutely see that guy trying to run bison next to the Yellowstone Dutton Ranch 
and worry about some sort of cross-contamination. That's a lock. Absolutely. That is a 100% lock. That's a good job out of you, Chris. Bum Phillips in the cowboy hat, jeans, big belt buckle, insulated vest, cowboy shirt look. By the way, I saw an ad for a show, and if anybody listening's you know associated with it, my apologies. But obviously trying to capitalize on Yellowstone, there's mm-hmm. now – did you see this ad? It was on ABC. I don't know if it was on the mm-hmm. when I, if I saw it on, on the ESPN or maybe the Bachelorette. But there was an ad for a show starring Reba McIntyre <laughs> about some ranch out in Montana. They went right yes. back to the Montana. Yeah, right? I think Trace Atkins is in it. And it's all about nice. like people come out there and like for these you know go cowboy around a little bit, and then people keep it's dying. A dude ranch. And it's like a mysteries, and it looks it looked. So bad, and her monologue was horrific. And I was said, "Yet, yeah, nope, never." Isn't it big? Is it Big Sky? That's some something like that. Season three premiere, a see a first look with Reba McIntyre. Oh God! Oh my goodness! It's now called Big Sky Deadly Trails. Yeah, Deadly Trails. Oh my gosh! It? Yeah, that's it. Big Sky Deadly Trails. That's oh 100%. my God! It looked so bad. And the only thing I was, the only hope I had for it was it was on a streaming service, so it could maybe like have a chance of being good. And then it's also on ABC. Oh I was my like, God. Oh it, my God. Meadow Sopranos in it. Oh man. This oh will, my God. This will be it. The ad looked, just, it's worth watching in a commercial break. The ad looked, it was, it was appalling to me. Oh my God. The crime drama about a former partner under sheriff and newly appointed sheriff. As they try to maintain order in Helena, Montana, with their investigative skills, let me tell you something. I'm sure they there's, are. There are no investigators needed in Helena, Montana, because there's no crime. So, guess who? What the name of the sheriff is? Bo Arlen. Bo. Spelled like me. My uncle's name is Arlen. They're coming Rude. for me. So this is Jensen season, Ackles is playing it. This season is season. Three. Yeah. This is season three. This show apparently it's before. a total reboot, though. They're totally rebooting it with all new people. Is what it I was going like. to say. This is a different cast. Than the Completely. original base guy. This is, this is one of those sequels. A ba- that, that just, as the two embark on a backcountry trip with outfitter it's like Sonny when Barnes. CSI decided they were going to like go right. to Miami, New Orleans, all this. Yeah, McIntyre's character's name is Sonny Barnes. They've th- they're thrown into the most compelling challenge mystery yet. Good. I bet they night are. Let me tell you something. Did not look compelling in any not. way. Guess who's, who do you think Somebody is gets, least pleased about this? Kevin Costner. My father. Your father did. More pissed off than ever. More people thinking they need to make a big well, like, deal about Montana. Somebody falls off a cliff. Somebody looks yeah. like they get eaten by a wolf. Like <sighs> We've jumped the shark, kids. It's a, But it's not – come on. It's too much. I realize you want, to capitalize, you want to capitalize on Yellowstone and the popularity. Yeah. But, yeah, you, you, yeah there's a lot – there's a lot that made that show work. A lot of kind of miraculous things. This ain't it. Uh, we have uh, gotten our roster down to 80. We'll go over that cut list with you. You'll hear, as we mentioned, from Alex Van Pelt. Big media day today. Miles was at the podium as well. Some good stuff there, including some comments uh, on him going up against former teammate Baker Mayfield in the opener. And then Z's exclusive one-on-one conversation with our good buddy Jason Tarver, our linebacker coach. You have all of that to look forward to, which is nice. You'll see Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland.
Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. My friends, the Bath Authority gives you that bathroom of your dreams in about a day. You can turn your current bathroom into a spa-like experience with my good friends at the Bath Authority. They can do it for you at a fraction of the cost of the competitors. The Bath Authority is Cleveland's premier bath and shower remodeler, experts, and factory-trained installers. You give them a call right now at 216-220-8399. You get 500 bucks off your next custom bath or shower remodel. That is 216-220-8399. 8399 of thebathauthority.com. It's where affordability meets quality. The largest selection of bath projects, all made in the United States. Tub to shower conversions, whatever you need. Superior products with expert installers at the Bath Authority. Yes, Dr. Z. <laughs> That's uh is it's Mark Mangino, isn't it? I don't know. Pretty sure That's Kansas. A, that is a heck of a a varsity jacket there is what that yeah, that's is. Mark Mangino. That's uh that's a that's, that's a Youngstown jacket. man, I believe. He's uh connected with the stoops ah. through that. I think he was actually back at Youngstown State under Bo Pelini. I'm pretty sure. I like little But he, he actually went to the Orange Bowl with Kansas, that guy. He was the offensive coordinator at Oklahoma and then ended up at Kansas and they actually went to the Orange Bowl. Todd Reesing was there, Akeeb Talib was there. Akeeb Talib. Yeah. At that time. Yeah, not not great. By the way, great. quick aside. Please. I watched the Manti Teo documentary over the weekend. Uh-huh. Yep. The look that I have right now, my jaw agape, was my look. How much of it did you remember before watching it? I remembered the whole... I remembered his girlfriend died, he didn't have a girlfriend, all the jokes being made, and that it turned out that he had gotten catfished. Yep. And moved on from there, but... What I did not know was, number one, the depths of this catfishing, which was not really a thing back then. We didn't know about it. Know so it's important to, to remind people that who are just now watching this. Nobody even knew what that was. So MTV, I don't know if it was off of this or as this was going on. I think they, the latter, yeah. They, there, became a sh- there was a show about this that gained popularity, but no one even heard of it. when I was Because no. I, I was still covering college football every day at that point. Uh, and have it for a long time. But, I mean, I had a Heisman vote. He had my Heisman vote. He was my most – more than John. I voted for him, number one. He had, he had all of it. So, but when this catfishing stuff came out, I, did, I never even heard of it. Same. No point of reference. I came out of that feeling so bad for him. Yeah. His life was ruined in many ways. Mm-hmm. And now he still had a nice NFL Pretty amazing career. he had the NFL career he did consider. Absolutely. Yeah. Ended up a team captain. So, mm-hmm. like, in that world, he regained. But he lost things that will he will never get back. And it was a diabolical plan. And, yes, you could say, how could you be so naive? Or how could you not have demanded to meet this person? But the psychological games that were raged by Naya now, by this woman, then a man, Ronaya, were crazy. And, like... At some point, I was ready to, like, smash the TV when Nye was acting, oh, why do you have to publish the voicemails? And was mad about it. Like, what do you mean? Right. Like, you ruined this dude's life and played some game because yeah. you weren't comfortable with who you were and were trying to live this other life and ruined Manti Teo's life in a lot of ways. Yes. I mean, completely. Yeah. It was messed up. And I am, I will be and forever will be. I, I always thought Manti Teo was great at Notre Dame. You know, it kind of became – here's the thing that made me sad is looking back over the whole thing. It was, oh, my gosh, great story. This guy's awesome. Everybody loves this guy. 
he f- had this fake girlfriend and it was almost presented like it was on Kim that like he was he that he faked, manufactured it. he faked the girlfriend which is not true and anyway you remember the Jeremy Shap interview with him yeah which was crazy which was insane insane looking back Jeremy Shap I I would hope is not pleased with his performance in that I would hope not yeah awful awful then he's defending questions about his sexuality about his life all of these things yeah that he never should have had to it was nuts it, and yeah. the lack of remorse on the perpetrator to me is the most stunning part of it all and and frankly angered me a great deal and i thought at the end man like you're like this guy's what a human being i mean he's been through yeah. the hardest stuff he did the documentary in the hopes that it helps one person out there mm-hmm and I just I couldn't like him anymore, and I feel I'm sure we all at some point or another participated in a joke, and there was a you know the memes of him hugging nothing and all like, dude, a hundred percent awful has and as we were naive to all of this at the time, you would there there would be people you know who would have said, did you get Manti Te out? Like yes, that was of course. part of the lexicon. Totally, like that became something that was said. How did this person? Ronaya, now Naya, not they. I feel like they face no punishment. Yeah, and at I all. Think the damages on it are so substantial. I mean, it affected the way he was drafted. It affected the way he was viewed in the NFL. It affected, let alone psychologically, his life. Psychologically, um, he was destroyed. He was, yeah, he would have been from a marketing standpoint. Had this not happened, he would have been one of the most marketable players going into that NFL draft. He was. Finished second in the Heisman at Notre Dame playing linebacker. He was kind of the face of college football with he John football that year. He was the golden boy of, of yeah. sports. Yeah. And the crazy thing to me is that – He not, was great. He was great. Way. And great. you talk about a butterfly effect, just a small little decision changes. Their, he wanted to go to USC from the day he was born. Mm-hmm. And a guy says, do you – a counselor says to him, do you want to go to USC and be the next great Polynesian player at USC? By the way, not a bad – no. Not bad footsteps Follow to follow. Say Seau. Or do you want to go to Notre Dame and be the first man to tell? And he, because he was so strong in his faith, thought that that was truly a sign that he had to go to Notre Dame. He goes to USC. This does not happen. No. 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 There's no question the outpost nature of Notre Dame. The complete isolation of it. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. And he goes, like, USC was great then. That was Pete Carroll. So he, I haven't seen and it And they yet. wanted him. It was, yeah, towards the end of Carroll's run. This probably would have been transition because th- that would have been the 2011 season would have been the year he finished second in the Heisman, 2011 or 12. Okay. Somewhere in there. Carroll was, Carroll was, he was, he would have recruited him, but probably not coached him. It probably would have been handed over to probably Sark. The way that it was presented in the documentary was that Carroll was recruiting him and USC sure was th- like, and they're Matt Leiner. What year was Matt Leiner? His last year was 05. Okay, so that's what they used in the documentary, which is a little time fudging. Yeah, Matt Leinert was a senior in 05. Vince Young got him in 05. He is out of SC at 09. So he still would have he recruited would have him, a- and he would have had him early early in his probably first two years. I want to say it was 2008. No, nine. it was his, his nine senior was year a- was 2012. Yeah. Because 2012, Ohio State is undefeated, but they can't play in a bowl because they – took on the penalty they 
volunteered to take on the yeah. penalty. Yeah. That was Urban's first year. They went 12-0. and They would have played Notre Dame for the national title because Bama had a loss. Yep. So it would have been undefeated, undefeated, undefeated Notre Dame, undefeated Ohio State in 2012 had it played out. So that was – it was 2012. I'd urge you to watch it. It's two hours. It's I've, incredible. I've it, seen it in the queue. It's I'm, incredible. I know it. Have you watched it? Give the me? whole thing made me so uncomfortable in the moment, and I'm probably not. ashamed to th- – to, Although again, he had my vote. I I had him number one. But and by the way, there was another guy who was third that year that never even like got drafted. I want to say quarterback from like Washington State or a blonde kid, like Washington Jake Locker, not no, Jake Locker. No, no, might not be Washington State or Kansas State. Kansas State quarterback. I wouldn't. Never even got drafted. Looking right now, he was third. He was the he third in the 2012. Heisman vote. It was a tricky year. John won it basic. I mean, Johnny was unbelievable. I think he ran for 1,000. Kansas State. Oh, Colin, Colin Klein. Klein. Wow. Yeah. I'd never even heard of that. Guy. Marquise Lee out of USC, USC was fourth. Braxton was fifth as a sophomore, true sophomore at Ohio State. Wow, look at that list. Yeah. Teo was second. It's, you you got to watch it, man. I'm I mean, I, I li- yeah, I know. It. And then tell me afterwards if you believe there's any chance that that guy's voice is the voice on all the voicemails. I say no. He goes on Dr. Phil. This is a little spoiler for you. Mm-hmm. And Dr. Phil's like, produce the voice then. If you're saying nobody else was involved, produce the voice. You have no idea the depths how mess. You're going to be like. Yeah. you got to watch it, though. You're going to love Manti Taylor. I will. So Dr. Phil tells the guy, okay, you've got to be. Renai, you got to make this voice where you call him in the voicemails, and it's a woman's voice. And he's like, I have to get into this dark place to be able to do this. And so he then produces the voice behind a black screen where you can't see him, which, I mean, I feel like he had to be playing. There had to be somebody else. Somebody That's just else my, my opinion. I'm no forensic expert. God, he's only 31. And he's remarried now. He's, he's married. I'm not remarried. He's married now. He's got a couple kids. It looks like life is great. He's doing well. And I, I follow him now on Instagram. And he, God bless him. Yes, like a billion percent. And without this documentary, my knowledge of it would have been, oh, yeah, he got catfished. You know, Stupid. How dumb could you have to be? Right. Right. Not. Like, it's cr- just, dude, it's crazy. It's crazy the depths to which this Naya Ronaya went to keep him hooked into this. Mm. And people are like, he's crazy. There are other football players that knew this girl. There were his cousin, quote unquote, knew this girl from social media. This was before like FaceTime too, right? So he wasn't able to ever. He try. We would try to FaceTime at times, and like it just would never be like, oh, sh- sh- I can see you, you can't see me. Like it just, oh, yeah, a bunch of nonsense. Look, I think if you were to take a step back, but I mean, she had like her nephew or her niece talking to him on the phone, like other family members talking to him on the phone it felt like a very well fleshed out situation they sought him out because he was a football player no she just just, that was just part of the game so the guy really felt in his heart he was a woman couldn't live that life out in the real world so he creates this profile using pictures of a girl from high school that he went to like at one point at one point manti is like if you're real you need to send me a picture right now with your face, with this written in it, and flash in this sign. Mm-hmm. And he gets it. The guy girl, yeah, Ronaya playing Lenny Kakua, 
reached out to the woman whose pictures he was using, who has no idea that he's using the pictures oh for the Facebook God. profile, and says, hey, my friend died in a, is dying after a car accident and went oh, to high school no. with you. This would cheer him up. Can you do this? And gave the exact parameters for that picture. So, like... Oh, so psychologically, it's just dude, warfare that you've never seen. You Dive have no it. idea. This is like, right, what I I'll told you, it. is like the tip of the iceberg. It's right. crazy, dude. Crazy. Right. Manti-tail, I want to hug him. Crazy. Um, Beyond. We we did get Matt Eberflus's press conference is happening. <laughs> Sorry for that aside. No, no, no. It's a, it's, it was something we were going People to talk about yesterday. People should watch it. Everybody should watch and it. And I, I will check it out. The Bears starters are going to play 20 to f 25 to 30 plays yeah, in the game like here on Saturday night. So you'll get a full look. I am fearful if we play ours for Justin Fields' safety, as I was the last time he was here. But they say that they're going to give it a go. So 25 of 30. Uh, you heard Coach off the top of the show talking about how, hey, like usually we talk to guys about this, about what we're going to do. So I wonder if it will be a similar plan for us. Now, we won't get that from Coach. He's not going to give up his yeah, plan. I mean, he goes on. Roquan Smith will play against Cleveland. <laughs> yeah, but David Coach Montgomery might Kevin's not giving that out, though. You're not going to get that. From us? No. 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 No, but this is from our good friend Courtney Cronin. But usually half. if one coach is doing that, the other is doing similar is what I've noticed. I, I would think at least a quarter. That's what I've noticed. Um, roster cuts. These happened yesterday. You had Joseph Carlton, uh, Luther Kirk, Wyatt Miller, Parnell Motley. Marcus Santos Silva as well, but what the most notable there is the punter situation. Yeah, Corey Bajorquez has won the putter job, and Joe Charlton did a great job, and he absolutely can kick in this league, and should anything happen to Corey Bajorquez and Joe's out of work, he will be brought back to the Browns. Uh, they like him a lot. He is a top 32 punter on the planet, um, but they wanted to get him out early to give him a chance to latch on somewhere as quickly as possible. Um, and there's no reason to keep two punters. Once they made the decision, it was going to be Corey Bajorquez. Luther Kirk, we didn't see much. Wyatt Miller was just claimed this last week, didn't play in the preseason game. Parnell Motley, now this one surprised me a little bit. I thought he played well. I know that he was he was well-liked in that DB room. Uh, a scrappy, fiery competitor. Had a nice third-down PBU. He had two PBUs, actually, in that game uh, against the Eagles. But they've decided to move on. And look, the truth is, as an outside corner, he wasn't going to make the team. But maybe I thought he might be somebody to stay in the in the program. Then Marcus Santos Silva, I think the development in his transition from basketball to the NFL was maybe not as quick as the Browns were hoping for. And uh, we'll see. Maybe he ends up on the practice squad and they can continue to, to try to nurture that. But for now, uh, they decide to move on there. I think the guy that's really kind of opened a lot of eyes in that tight end room is Nakia Griffin-Stewart, yeah. who's had back-to-back -back solid games, uh, certainly as a, a move tight end, a pass-catching tight end. All right, good stuff there. In terms of what our plan will be our offensively and what we've seen to this point in camp, now that camp is actually over and we start to get into this thing, Alex Van Pelt was at the podium. We'll have that for you coming up next. You'll listen to Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Elk and Elk Serious Lawyers at Serious Injuries. Call 1-800-ELK-OHIO for a free case review. Elk and Elk is a proud partner of your Cleveland Browns. And now let's head to the podium for our offensive coordinator, Alex Van Pelt. What do you think of Bob so far? Been impressed. I really have. Um, you know, he's, he's come in and in the both of the games he's played, he's played extremely well. Uh, very happy with where he is right now. Uh, has a great understanding of the offense. 
Uh, he's a very intelligent young man, does a lot of good things. He's athletic, obviously, the runs he's had in this preseason, the scrambles. So uh, I'm very excited about his um, development so far. How much Jacoby just in the last week have you seen just a growth in him and the taking command of the offense? Yeah, it's been the last few weeks I've seen it, really. It's, uh, it's impressive. A guy's a, he's a natural leader. Um, he's, a, he's a worker. Uh, you know, he spends a lot of time um, when we're not around him working. You know, I'll look out of my window after practice 45 minutes later, and he's still on the field. Um, you know, he, he's an intelligent guy. He's played a lot of football in his career, so very comfortable where he's at. To go back to Josh, I mean, Kevin has talked about it a little bit, just how valuable it is that he's been here so long at this point in terms of him potentially backing up Jacoby. Just sure. how important is that to you guys that he's been through all those installs and everything? Oh, it's, it's, it's very valuable. I mean, the, the, the more that they're around, really it's, a, it's three new quarterbacks in the room that are learning the offense for the first time. So uh, to have that experience and going through each install through the spring, through the OTAs and training camps, it's super valuable. You've had a ton of reps with Jacoby and Deshaun out here. Mm-hmm. So how does the offense different depending on who's under? Yeah, well, we're always going to build as our as coaches. We, we have to build the best plan around the players that we have, obviously. So skill sets change, but our job as coaches is to get the most out of each player based on their skill set. So it, it'll look a little bit different, um, you know, but our core offense is in. Um, but you'll see different plays for, for each different guy, and that's that's the case regardless of who's in right now. You always want to play to their strengths. Last year when we you know, would ask you questions, we'd talk about all the receivers and all the options going into the season right. that you had. Um, this year it seems like it's running backs now, all the right. options that you have there. So just, you know, how do you share the wealth, yeah. spread the love so that all those guys get an opportunity to either it is really a great group. Um, all guys are super talented in that room and have, have been uh, productive when they've stepped on the field. Obviously, Kareem and Nick haven't played in the preseason, but uh, you know, their body of work from the last two seasons is tremendous. Um, you know, Dearness coming in and, and having success when those guys were hurt. Um, he's another guy that you feel really comfortable handing the ball off to. And then uh, Jerome Ford coming in. And, uh, and John Kelly, heck, I mean, he's had a good preseason too. So it's, uh, it's a solid room. and really happy to have all those guys. Brissett's the only guy we haven't seen play. There's only one Right. And he's in a new offense. Does he have enough time to get ready? Oh, yeah. No, I, I do I do believe that for sure. Um, I'm not sure how much or if he'll play this week. But, um, you know, we've we've calculated reps and started to get him more and more, um, you know, a few weeks back, uh, moving in the direction of him starting the season. So he'll have plenty of reps when, when the, uh, the first kickoff happens. He's going to still get some work. Uh, it'll, it'll be less and less with the first group uh, moving forward, but he'll still get work. Um, that's to be determined, yeah. But we have to be ready for that opener, and that's the most important thing, getting this, this week, obviously, and then regrouping and, and being ready to go in the opener. Got to have both those guys ready to go. What you said about the run game, the strength of the running backs, and the fact that it's Jacoby who's not your franchise guy. Does it make sense just to run the ball a bunch, especially early in the season? Well, I think we're always going to run the football. I mean, that's where our offense starts is with the run game and the wide zone game. So I don't think that'll be any more or less. Um, you know, we'll, uh, I'm sure teams will defend us a, a little bit differently maybe than they would with Deshaun, and that's fine. We're used to that. But uh, we're never going to get away from the run game, regardless of who our quarterback is. How do you see that wide receiver group shaking out after Amari Cooper? And yeah, I've been really impressed with Amari. Uh, he's, he's a guy that you know I've always admired from far. Did him as a receiver coming out in college. Uh, explosive, uh, true pro. 
um, and he showed every bit of that out on the field and in, in the practice reps he's gotten. Donovan's just a solid man. He's, he's had a really good camp. He does a lot of things for us in the run game and the pass game. You know, uh, Felton's come on now, uh, you know, as a slot receiver. In his second year, a lot of, a lot, I like a lot of his qualities that he brings. And then there's a group of young guys, you know, behind that. But the, those guys that have potential, there's some hard workers. Mike Woods is a, a guy that hasn't been on the field as much, but when he has been on the field, he's been productive. Harley is a guy that just can run all day. He's Energizer Bunny. You know, it's a good group, but I, I definitely am uh, very impressed with Amari. Alex, Happy for him, you know, happy for Baker. Uh, looking forward to competing against those guys in the opener. Alex, you've heard so much about Jacoby's steadiness and leadership, mm -hmm. composure, et cetera. How important are those tangibles, especially with this team and what it's been through this offseason? Yeah, I think that's huge. And he does bring that rock, you know, in the locker room and on the offensive side of the football. You know, even going back to earlier in, in training camp, we were maybe two weeks in and we had a really bad practice offensively. And he was the first one to call the group up and kind of just address the issues that we were having at that time. So he's a guy that's been there. He's done it. Um, he's done it as a backup. Um, and he's also done it as a starter. So that's, those are valuable uh, experiences that he's gone through. And uh, we'll lean heavily on him as a leader. How did you feel about calling plays in that game? It was fun. It's good. I love it. Yeah. Was it just the one quarter? I went like the first half last week. Yeah, the first half. It's, it's awesome here because Kevin gives everybody an opportunity to call. And, and that's, as a young coach, to have that opportunity is so valuable. Um, yeah, I'm not sure who will help call this week, um, but last week uh, Coach O'Shea called the second half. So it's, it's fun to have different voices and give guys opportunities to be play callers. He is very in control. He's very uh, in tune with the offense and what we're, what we're trying to accomplish on each play call. And he ex he's been executing at a high level. For sure, absolutely. You know, <laughs> whether it's memorizing numbers and calculus to memorizing formations and play calls, it definitely helps. Have you seen Kareem handle the contract issue? Uh, you know, I understand where he is. Obviously, um, I have nothing but good things to say about his work ethic and the way he the way he plays when he's out there. He's a violent runner. Um, you know, I understand it, obviously, but um, at the same time, he's under contract, and we we're hoping he's happy with that, and he plays hard for us this year, which I'm sure he will. Expect him to be as big a part of the offense as he was a couple of years ago? But when he was I, I, certain, I certainly would expect that, yes. When some of these you know, young guys like Anthony Edwards and, and David Bell, the ebbs and flows of being a young player, you had your right. good days, you had your, your bad days. How have you seen them kind of handle that? Just It feels like... With the receiver position being what it is, a lot's going to be expected of them this year. Mm -hmm. Just how do you, how, from your perspective, how are they handling the ebbs and flows of the good days versus the, the bad? Sure. No, I think uh, Schwartz's put together some really good practices here of late. Um, he's doing everything we've asked him to do. He gets guys open alone with his speed, you know, and then he's, he made some plays on the ball uh, in this past game as well as in practice. And then, uh, you know, David Bell's just a young guy. He's learning his way right now. He's getting better each day. That's the thing that I've seen from him. Um, started off just a little bit unsure of maybe the offense, and now you can see his play speeds increasing. He's starting to get a better understanding. I don't think so. I think those are very good centers. I, I'm real happy that we have the depth that we do have. 
you know, Poe is a very stout, strong guy, and, and the wide zone game will suit him just fine. And then Dunny does a lot of good things, like you said, on the perimeter. But to, the depth that we have at offensive lines is, is very reassuring. You'd have to ask Coach Callahan on that one. I'm going to discuss personnel there. Kevin was saying that you guys are kind of in regular season mode this right. week. So from a coaching standpoint, what is the emphasis? What are you guys really Really, it's just to get the, the rhythm and the timing of how a season, in-season Wednesday would feel. That's it for us today. So we talked through personnel this morning with the group of who they are, put in our base plan. It gives the coaches an opportunity to kind of do a dry run on their presentations. Each, each coach will present a different area uh, to the guys. So this is the week that we're going to get, just get the rust off of our presentations and give these guys a feel of what an in-season week it definitely changes, yes. We go back to in-season schedule, so we'll be out. A little, we'll be in the building earlier and out on the field a little bit earlier than normal. No, I mean, in terms of like what you're, what you're trying to get done during a practice, like is that uh, Yeah, we're still in the mode of uh, Browns versus Browns at times, at the same time getting ready for Chicago, so we're still a little bit in training camp mode. It's not a 100% scout team card yet, um, so we're still competing in a couple periods, but then we're getting ready for Chicago as well. Alex, what did you see with what happened with Jed at the end of that Friday practice with those penalties? Uh, yeah, it was a tough uh, situation for Jed. Um, it was just an alignment uh, thing with the left side of the line. We were deep a few times, um, didn't get it corrected, and he had a false start. Got frustrated, understandably, and you know that's just part of the deal. You can't get frustrated. You can't throw your helmet. We addressed it with Jed, and Jed's fine. What are your expectations for him this year? Uh, Coach Callahan said he's expected a quantum leap out of him. Yeah, no, I see it. I see it, especially in the Philly practices going against different guys. I mean, he's getting uh, the best work he can get every day in the practice against Miles. So to see him go out and have success against other defensive ends, it's very encouraging. Last one. What does he need to show you? You haven't seen him playing a game yet. Right. Right. We always talk about operation, getting in and out of the huddle cleanly with the right play calls, getting us into the right plays, just the operation of offense I think is the big thing. Obviously, we would love to go down and, and score a few times, um, but that's not the, the end of the world if we don't. But we're looking for clean operation, clean mechanics from that position. There's a new way to cheer on your Cleveland Browns with the help of your favorite four-legged companion, Barking Backers, presented by Milkbone is the Browns' newest club for pet parents worldwide. Sign up today at BarkingBackers.com. Barking Backers, the fan club for dogs. We'll go around the league coming up next. In addition to that, in the final hour, you'll hear from Miles Garrett and also Z's exclusive one-on-one with our good buddy Jason Tarver. You have that to look forward to, which is nice. You'll listen to Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Rumpke Waste Recycling, family owned and operated. Whether you join them as a customer or as an employee, you'll become part of the family. Visit Rumpke.com to learn more. Not practicing today, Michael Woods, Dalen Baldwin, Greg Newsom, Jerome Ford, Dakota Allen, Isaiah Thomas is out for personal. Coach mentioned that in the presser. Chase Winovich, Chris Hubbard, Jadevian Clowney, and Perry and Winfrey not practicing today. Uh, any of those noteworthy to you? Several guys that we haven't seen regularly. Jerome Ford not practicing. Did something happen to him that I missed? I don't know. And we'll, I don't know that we'll get that kind of an update. Maybe if they release a post-practice report, we'll know the exact reason. With Clowney, my guess is it's just a, a veteran day for sure. Jadevian Clowney. Winfrey, we know, did go into the tent and left the field with trainers and Stefanski said after the game that you know he's got 
something he's got a few things to work through so we'll see there uh dakota allen that's a new one and i don't know if that's something that's coming out of the game and, and look they don't have to be that forthright with these things dakota allen's a guy who was in very much in a battle to try to make this roster as either the fifth or the sixth linebacker you know it sounded like when you talk about noteworthy one thing that i felt like was somewhat noteworthy from the kevin stefanski presser was you know, he he talked about Tony Fields as if it was a certainty that Tony Fields was going to be on this roster. Mm-hmm. He will help we us on special yeah. teams, and he may help us, you know, as at a linebacker spot at some point. So that means that's five. So the question then becomes, do we keep six? And if so, Dakota Allen, special teams guy. And then the guy that I love who's quickly become one of my favorites, Jordan Kunashik. Guy never misses a tackle. He's an aggressive, physical tackler. You're going to hear uh, uh, Coach Tarver talk about him. Special teams guy's been in the league for three years. Cal Berkeley man. Mm-hmm. I always appreciate a good Cal guy. I talked to him actually after the game. Nice kid. Like, he, he looks like central casting. This guy's like a, should be a linebacker in the program without the craziness associated with yeah. that comment. Just like, of like, okay, yeah, this guy looks like he's a stud. I like that kid. So we'll yeah. see. It's going to be interesting. Um, all right, let's go around the league here briefly. The Raiders have released Kenyon Drake, so that uh, that'll that's going to happen. Oh, very exciting, very exciting. Oh, a baby. bit of traveling music, as Gibby likes to call it. Kenyon Drake could be on the way out. Um, the reason for Brady's camp absence was revealed. Um, I mentioned this yesterday, Gibby. We talked about this. Come on, Gibby. We talked. Remember Ocean Club? His, his, his ears. His ears. His ears hurting. His ears are hurting. Yeah. Steelers head coach Mike Tomlin implies the starting quarterback job is still up for grabs during his weekly press conference. We'll come down to the final preseason game. Well, that's this week. So it's going to be the- This one's going to be. It's going to be Trubisky. If he, if he falls flat, then you can go to Pickett, and it buys you time. Here's the thing. I think that Pickett is probably the best decision maker, as I've been reading some, some reporting out of the uh, Pittsburgh area, Chris Sims even weighed in on this. Pickett's the best decision maker right now. Their line is horrific. Mm-hmm. And I think they open with... They what, open with the Bengals. Bengals, us, and somebody else who's good is in their first three games. I'll pull it up while I'm talking. But what he had noted was that they were all good pass rushing teams. Yeah. And Mike Tomlin apparently is incensed with the state of his offensive line. And so it is Bengals, Patriots, Browns are their first three. I see. Yeah. Jets, Bills, Bucks are their first six. Dolphins, seven. Eagles, eight. That is a tough schedule and all good defensive fronts that I just yeah. listed right there. Every single one of them. And then they go Saints, Bengals, Colts. It's hard to imagine I'm not in the division at the bottom. It's really difficult. They will be favored. They will be underdogs against the Bengals. They will be underdogs week two at home against the Patriots is my guess. Or pick up. Depending on what the – I was talking to a guy this morning about the Patriots. He thinks they're going to be gone. fall off a cliff. Okay. Yeah. But who knows? Underdogs against us week three. Favorites probably against the Jets at home, I would think. Underdogs, Bills. Underdogs, Bucks. Underdogs at Dolphins. Underdogs at Eagles. Probably underdogs, Saints. Underdogs, Bengals. Underdogs at Colts. I mean, they're going to be favored – only twice in their first 12 yeah. games. That's a brutal schedule. Model. Yeah, it's, it is absolutely brutal. So you play Trubisky to get through the early lumps, and then you can go to pick it if it's off the rails as the season goes along, and you hope your offensive line gets better as it goes. Yeah, I guess. That's the plan. One other thing on Brady. At some point, he has to answer for all this, doesn't he? 
I would we, think we so. talked about this a little bit yesterday. Like at some point, he's got to be at a podium. How much did you know? How 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 in depth were your conversations with Stephen Ross in Miami and over how many years? You think that there's got to be uh, you know. some yeah actual questions that will be asked and answers that should be demanded. I mean, how close were you to becoming a Las Vegas Raider? Yeah. What was up with the Niners? Right. Were you really throwing that shade at Derek Carr? Right. There's a lot of legitimate. What was you know, Dana- some of this? I would even think would be applicable to to potential penalties that were handed out to the Dolphins. Yeah, like well, the fact that he's not being penalized if he colluded. Why was Dana White involved? There's no way his agent would collude without his him pointing him in that direction. All right, here's from Mike Florio this morning. On Saturday night, UFC president Dana White admitted he brokered a deal for Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski to join the Raiders. Let's not forget they had Darren Waller. On Sunday, Raiders owner Mark Davis took a page from the Sergeant Schultz playbook claiming ignorance. That was, what, two or three years ago? I don't know, man. Talk to Dana. I remember that Tom went to Tampa. That's basically what I remember. Dana has the stories. I love Dana. He's a great promoter. Why would this make me upset? A source with knowledge of the situation has offered to refresh the memory of Mark Davis. Per the source, Davis knew exactly what was happening. White brokered the deal with both sides, Brady and the Raiders. Davis, per the source, wanted to happen at least as it related to Brady, but as White said, Coach John Gruden decided at the last minute to kill the deal, and Brady was ready to go. He was, per source, going to do it, but for Gruden bowing out, Brady would have been a Raider. White acted as the intermediary. The source explained similar to the manner in which Bruce Beal served as the one who was trying to get Brady to Miami to play for Stephen Ross. White served as the man trying to get Brady to Las Vegas to play for Mark Davis. Hmm. Yeah. It's it's. I mean, at some point, I just think he's got to talk about it. Um, NFL analysts Matt Bowen, Tim Hasselbeck, Mina Kimes, Matt Miller, Jordan, well, a bunch of them. They rank their uh, personal top 10 quarterbacks entering the 2022 season in distinct categories, arm strength, accuracy, touch, mechanics, field vision, decision-making with football, compete level, toughness. Compete level and toughness are the same, aren't they? Pocket presence, scrambling, designed runability, second reaction ability. Our guy Deshaun finished 10th in arm strength, 10th in accuracy, 10th in field vision, 8th in scrambling, 8th in design run, 8th in second read, reaction, ability, Honorable mention votes in touch, mechanics, decision-making, toughness, and pocket presence on that list. He's good. He's a good quarterback. And there are a lot of good quarterbacks. And there's some interesting stuff in here uh, about these quarterbacks. And it's no surprise that, you know, Allen and Herbert and Mahomes and Rodgers are near the top of pretty much everything. And that's kind of the way that it is. But these things are... Always He's being fluid. penalized by what by the off field stuff. There's of course there isn't anybody in the league who, if the off field stuff wasn't there, he would be the fourth or fifth pick in the redrafting quarterbacks. Yeah, it'd go Allen Mahomes. If you're redrafting him and you consider age For into age. it, it would go Mahomes, Allen, Herbert, Burrow, Watson. Burrow Watson would be in the top five. Yeah, that'd be Burrow's awesome. not top ten on this, by the way. Oh not, no, that's not arm. arm that's just arm oh, strength. That's just arm strength. He shows up in accuracy. He's number three. Touch number four, mechanics number three, field vision number four, decision making number five. Yeah, yeah, Burrow's all over the place. He just doesn't have that a, a rocket, but he's darn good. Plenty good. Plenty good. Plenty good to get the job done, my friend. All right, good stuff as we go around the league. Coming up next, Miles Garrett at the podium. You're listening to Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland.
Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Hey friends, it's Bo here for my friends at Renew Home Exteriors. Upgrade the look and siding of your home with new siding from Renew Home Exteriors. Receive $1,500 off and free insulation wrap plus 0% interest for qualified buyers. In addition to that, Renew Home Exteriors will meter beat competitors' estimates by up to 10% or pay you 100 bucks. Hear from their customers. Here's what Sean had to say. He said Renew Home Exteriors has a very professional and punctual crew. It was a great experience. Quality work. I would use it again and recommend. You, too, can beautify your home with premium siding and roofing products at lower prices with Renew Home Exteriors. Visit RenewEstimate.com for more. And now here's Miles Garrett at the podium. You've been through a little bit of a, a rough time, you know, personally over the, the last week or so. Um, so can you just, I mean, not that you need to get into details or anything, but you, you've really been through a, a tough emotional time, right? Yeah. Moves out uh, for a while, visiting a family member and uh, supporting them and supporting my family. So just wanted to be around him and uh, show him that he's loved during this tough time and you know, be present. And how much did you appreciate the fact that Kevin Stefanski, the Browns, just gave you all the time that you needed to, to tend to your family member? It really means a lot. You know, it shows how much trust they have in me to, to go out there and you know, be where I need to be you know, with them at that, that time, but also come back and you know, do what I'm supposed to do to, to get back with the team and uh, and I'll be on, on top of it when I get back. Inside the city limits, too. How's it going for Paul Watts? I mean, you're not going to play in the preseason, I don't think, but you feel like you're where you want to be here with a couple weeks left. I mean, I'm on the unofficial depth chart for that third game. So. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see if, if I end up playing or not. But uh, and I feel like I'm in a good spot all around, and you know, I'm happy to be able to get, get the chance to go back out there whenever it is. Yesterday, though, excuse me, Baker said that the game will mean more because it is the Browns. Will it mean more to you guys because it's Baker? No. Why not? Well, I mean, he's my former teammate, but I don't have any. Like, there's no rivalry there between me and him, and there's no rivalry there between you know, the, the Panthers and the Browns. I mean, yes, he was here, but it doesn't mean I have you know, an, an added sense of urgency to, to get to him. I want to I want to play my best, and you know, whatever's in the cards. Uh, you know, that's that's what's it for for me. But uh, if I can help my team win, if I can put them in the best position to win, I'm gonna do that. And if I can get you know, a couple of sacks along the way, I'd kind of enjoy that too. Last year, you talked a lot about like reaching greatness and how legendary comes after greatness for you. I guess just what have you been focusing on, like physically and mentally, to try to reach those stratospheres you want to get to in your career? Uh, consistency, all around. You know, in my life. I think it's a lot easier to be consistent on the football field if you're consistent in your life and your preparation you know, throughout your day. And uh, just trying to add a little bit more structure, you know, going up to you know, waking up in the morning and, and getting through all this. And you know, you know, after I leave, I feel like if everything's you know, steady and, and smooth, then you don't have to worry about you know, this because you know, you're going in, into it with a, a steady state of mind and it, it'll feel like it, it just flows for you. Have you altered your routine at all? Some guys talk about you meditating, maybe, or something like that. Have you altered your routine and what you do each day? I have, but uh, I can't give that away. It's like I can't, I can't offer my flow state to someone else. Miles, Miles would you um, say that you guys have the greater edge going against Baker Mayfield from knowing him so well, or might Baker Mayfield have, have the edge from knowing you guys so well? Uh, I don't think it really matters, just because you know 
he has tendencies, and he, I'm sure he likes to throw the ball in certain spots along the field. But he has different targets. He has uh, a different line, so he's going to have to change as well. And I'm sure he has different coaches who are going to work you know, with him on, on those you know, things that they've seen that he, he likes to do. So you know, I'm sure we're going to see a, a, not a completely different Baker, but you know, someone who's, who's worked on some of his weaknesses and some, like I said, his tendencies. To, to be like a, a more complete player and, and uh, diversify himself. And you guys will change things up too, so that he's not familiar with everything you're about to do. I think we'll do the same old thing. <laughs> Let's see what happens. Miles, last of, year the division got kind of flipped on its head with the Bengals winning it. In your, in your six years, is this the as balanced as you've seen the AFC North? It has. Uh, I mean, everyone's. I think everyone's pretty good this year, and uh, couldn't say that every year that I've been here, but you know it's. Everyone has a chance to win it, and now it's just about you know execution and, and technique. You know everyone has good players, and uh, there's a lot of uh, stars on each team and in each position. Now it's just about you know those guys stepping up to the plate and making those plays when they when they need to, and and, the, and carrying those guys you know alongside them. Miles, you were the top 100 is being released, and there's 20 players left. Where do you expect yourself in that NFL 100? What do I expect myself? Yeah. Uh, Somewhere in the top 20. I don't want to rate myself. I mean, I'm not sure. What, what, would you, what do you think you should? Well, I think I should, I should. I think I should be one. But I mean, I'm not voting. So. Miles, uh, you were talking about working on your craft uh, earlier. And how much do you watch like other pass rushers that uh, go through that process? I watch other pass rushers all the time. Uh, I mean, I watch all across the league. I think everyone does things differently, and I think there's a lot of different you no. Know, Body types, execution, techniques, and uh, some might be more applicable than others. But you have to see how other guys are, are winning and try to try to see if you can apply it on the practice field. And then you know you have to have the the courage and the willingness to go out and attempt those things on the on the game, even if they don't work the first time or second time. You know, just trying to get a feel and uh, exploit some things that you're seeing from you know, your opponents each week. You were, you were just asked about the, the top 100. It, it feels like on a lot of these lists, it's, it's you and TJ kind of at the top along with pass rushers. Is, is there anything about him uh, that you take away uh, or admire about the way that he plays, even though he's on a you know, rival team? Uh, I mean, I think he's a very savvy player. You know, He knows what's coming most of the time as far as running pass. He's able to get a, get a, a good on the ball. He has a really good get off and uh, no, I think he he works the the edge really well. You no, know, I'd like to I'd like to you know talk to him and you know see you know a, a, a little bit into his mindset. You know, but I, I really like his his game and you know how he's able to you know, work his hands. I know he's learned a, a lot from his brother in, in that regard. But uh, he he keeps guys off balance. He's able to to play extended and you know get that separation. You know he applies pressure, which we like to talk about. But keeping that separation where you know you're not allowing a guy to get his hands on you, but you no, know, you're you're doing the opposite. So you guys, you guys play in rival teams. You see each other you know, twice a year at least, sometimes more than that. And uh, it seems like at least the last couple of years, you guys back and forth, like who's leading the NFL in sacks. Is he a barometer at all for you, a guy you compare yourself to, um, or is it just all pass rushers that you're you're looking at in that way? Uh, I mean, I, I look at everyone like that. You know, just trying to study, you know, how they study their game, study their mindset going into it. And uh, I don't like to compare myself to anyone. Just because you know, I, don't, I think I have you know, a lot of different things that I bring to the table, and I don't think anyone has uh, the particular set of skills that I have. But uh, I think 
in his own right and, and what he does. He does that at the highest level. And uh, there's other guys who, who don't get the the great numbers like you know, him or me, but who are also very good uh, talented edge rushers. And it's just it's not a, a good barometer for just you no know, saying sacks uh, apply to you know how good you are. There's a lot of different stats and statistics that really tell you know, how good you are and, and uh, how well you're rushing edge. It's 11 games without Watson. What do you think of that? I think it's an opportunity. I think it's a, I think it's a challenge. So uh, I feel like you know, us as a defense, we have to you know, look forward to taking on that task. You know, obviously, he's a very dynamic player, and you know, we, are, we might miss his presence on, on offense. But you know, that's an opportunity for us to step up to the plate and be a, a very dominant defense, you know, regardless of what the offense does. Miles, I've asked some of your teammates who's sitting on a big year. A lot of them have said you. So I want to ask you, who do you think on this team sitting on a big year? Jordan Elliott. Uh, what, what do you see from him? Uh, one, I think he's coming 20 pounds bigger, mostly muscle, and uh, he's more probably the most explosive I've seen him uh, since he's been here. And uh, he's so comfortable in this defense now. I think he's in a, uh, a good state of mind, and I think he's really all, all signs are pointing towards him you know, having a very successful year. Miles, Chris Kiffin uh, describes you as more locked in than ever uh, this summer and believes that absolutely 100% you, know, you should contend for NFL Defensive Player of the Year. So what's it like to receive a vote of confidence like that from, from your position guy who knows you best? I'd hope my position guy would, would have that vote of confidence <laughs> for me. But no, it means a lot coming from Kiff. You know, he's... He's a tough guy to please, but you know I'm glad I've been making strides, you know, as a as a leader and as a, a teammate out here, you know, just trying to, to put my best foot forward and, you know, be the guy these these guys can can you know look up to and and uh, help inspire them. I said this a uh, couple of weeks ago. We were talking. I I, I just think he's ready uh, across all platforms to explode. Not just on. I mean, it feels like he's got the building blocks being built to a Hall of Fame career. And now this will be one of those seasons. It feels like you'll look back on and go, boom, and start to stack those, like be in the conversation for NFL Defensive Player of the Year all season. But then beyond that, he seems really comfortable being like face of the organization. So you stole my word. I was going to ask if I could use one word three times. Comfortable, comfortable, comfortable. And I just think that's what he is. He feels very comfortable in his own skin. He feels very comfortable leading this team. He feels comfortable with his abilities, and obviously they are – Tremendous. I think that he is going to have a monster season. I think this defense is going to have a monster season. I think we are well positioned. And and I, I think that's one of the things because of the other distractions, because of pretty much every conversation that's had about the Browns revolves around Deshaun Watson. And then now, well, is Jacoby Brissett good enough? Mm-hmm. That's really all. I, nobody's talking about our defense. Nobody's even really talking about Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, to be honest with you. Oh, no. Uh-uh. No, it's all been about that. That. And there's a lot, and the focus would be more and on our deficiencies it. at wide receiver than it would be at our strengths elsewhere. But I think this is a defense led by Miles Garrett that has a real opportunity to be special. I think we have one of the best edge rushing tandems in the league. Everybody's excited about Jordan Elliott. You heard him talking about it. If he could take a leap, that would be massive for us. I think our cornerback and safety room is one of the best in the NFL, period. And then I think we have a very underrated linebacker room that is immensely talented and as a big t transition we're going to talk with our linebackers coach i will actually yeah you Jason will tarver I, that's coming up i i honestly yeah. you you bring up a good point we've talked about it on this show just how impressive this defense is it's it's not even just 
at the super duper star level with Miles, but it is it's at the linebacker room, incredible depth. The secondary is just stunningly deep. I, I we're gonna have guys not playing all the time who would start on a lot of teams in this league at corner. A lot. Uh, if you think about how deep we are at corner and safety, yeah. it's just stupefying the amount of talent there. The the other thing with, with Miles that I think is really cool is he is so I, he is very clearly, I think, for this city, too, the face of the organization. Yeah. That's something that's transitioned over the last couple of years. Like, he is the most popular player. The way that he's embraced the city, the way that he lives, he puts his money where his mouth is in the city, the work that he does in the community, the as good as he is. I mean, that moment, we mentioned, we, obviously, we played the Bears this weekend. When they were chanting his name at that stadium – last fall it's awesome was ridiculous it was the loudest it gave you bumps you oh know, yeah chills bump city yeah TV, it did say yeah it did it gave it's you, it gave you a... <laughs> he's got a chance to go down as an all-timer in this town he really does it's it's the building blocks are being laid for him to go down as one of the most popular athletes in the history of this city and that's a hell of a feat because we've had a lot of them yeah no there's no question that he has everything the talent to do so he's got the single season sack record he's got the franchise's single game sack record four and a half against the chicago bears that we're going to get to see so i'm sure he's excited they have had some new offensive linemen to their to their stable after last year and they needed to they needed to um but he's you know he's four and a half sacks away from becoming the all-time sack leader in the history of the browns and as we know he is just getting started and so it's all there. You're right. I think you're all right. From on the field, off the field, the whole thing, it's all right there, Miles Garrett, to really ascend this year here in 2022. Just 26. Yeah. Just just, yes. just 26. And you think about the great ones, and I'll remember that you know some of our coaches and our scouts here uh, said that Miles Garrett was, their comp for him was Julius Peppers. And Julius Peppers, obviously, as we know, had an illustrious career, nine-time Pro Bowler, three-time first-team All-Pro. Miles has a chance, I think, to better that. But he also played until he was 38. Yeah. Yeah. You get that so out that, of Miles, you'd be quite pleased. That's the longevity part of it that's yeah. that's all very real. Yeah, Miles already with two first-team All-Pros the last two years, second-team All-Pro in 2018, uh, three-time Pro Bowl selection as well. So three. Remember, anytime we have that Hall of Fame conversation, we always – all right, give me the first-team All-Pros – Give me those things. He's stacking those, and it it feels like all of it's going to come to fruition this year in terms of Defensive Player of the Year, all that. Cool note about Julius Peppers, too. He was on the Hall of Fame All-2000s team and the Hall of Fame All-2010s team. Peppers was on both? Both. When's he eligible? He re retired in 2018, so 19, 20, 21, 22, 23. He'll be the class after the Hoff, and he'll be a first ballot, I would think. I just wanted to pull it up. Defensive rookie of the year. Yeah, he's six all pros, three time first team all pro, three time second team all nine Pro Bowls. All yeah, two, yeah, for sure. He's one of the one hundred greatest bears of all time. Yeah. How about that? Yeah. Yeah, he's he's really good. Yes, he was. Really good. Really, really good. Yeah, I would think he would be a first ballot Hoff. It's funny when I think of him, I primarily think of him as a Carolina Panther. But the, he goes to the Bears in 2010. He has one, two, three, four years with the Bears, and then he has three with Green Bay and then retires with, uh, with Carolina. I mean, in yeah. 2017, at the age of 37, he had 11 sacks. Jeez. That's incredible. That is, yeah. And that by the way, incredible. 
You know how many seasons he played fewer than twelve than sixteen games in his career? Three. Four. One. His rookie One. year he played twelve. One rookie of the year with tw- in twelve games, twelve sacks, five forced fumbles, an interception even. And then he played sixteen games, two thousand three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, two thousand eighteen when he retired at the age of thirty eight. Sixteen games every year. Good grief. In a row. Also, started on the Carolina basketball team that had Vince Carter and Antoine Jameson. Yeah, he's like a nice little power starter. Yeah. yeah. Six, seven. All right. Good stuff there. More good stuff coming up next. Your boy, Coach Tava, the man. Let's go. With the visor. You listen to Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Welcome back to Cleveland Browns Daily, and what a treat joined by the great friend of the show, Browns linebackers coach Jason Tarver. And coach, before we get into the serious stuff, we're going to try to lighten the mood here. You're a surfer. I don't know if our listeners know that. When did you first get on a surfboard? Oh, shoot. It was a little later in life for me. You know, my wife taught me. She's a lot better than I am. Um, She's a lot better athlete. She's almost better at everything than me. Um, but By the it, way, you're scoring a lot of points right now. You're doing that. This is good. This is a good start for you. But, yeah, she was into it and really good, so. Uh, I battled because just like anything, you got to learn how to do it. So I took a took a few times where almost drowning, but you know it's awesome. It's different every day, and you have to overcome challenges. Just like playing in a game, you don't know necessarily what's coming, but you got to figure it out. And when you figure it out, it's a lot of fun. So when you were going through your first lessons, are you familiar with the movie Forgetting Sarah Marshall? Mm-hmm. Was it like that? Do less, do less. Was that really? The, but now you got to do more than that. Was that kind of the thought process for you? That's pretty funny because I've actually used that video clip in teaching football because sometimes guys are just looking all over the place. I'm like, there's one ball on the field, do less, find the ball, run, shed, tackle the guy with the ball. So I've actually used that clip in meetings. One of my favorite films, fine movie. That's a great clip. It's good, especially for a guy like JOK, right? He says, when I see too much, I see too little, do less. I actually haven't used that one with him yet. I might, I might, it's a good idea. I might bring that one back out. All right, let's talk about your guys right now. We've gone through two games in the preseason, and obviously the top four did not play last week. But overall, how are you feeling about your four starters, as I know that's how you label them, and how have they come along so far? Uh, start with Sione. Sione's had a great camp. He he really knows the scheme. He's studied. He's built his body back, overcoming injuries, surgery in the offseason. Really proud of him. He is absolutely playing well on contact and going to the right spot. And uh, it's fun to see him have this much success can't wait to unleash him um anthony walker is doing everything for us and just even in better shape than last year working through injuries and and stretching more work and i mean you can't work harder than anthony does do you feel real quick on awok is he the leader of this defense i mean he is the first guy on the field to celebrate anything he's the guy that i know in your room everybody goes to look to to talk to and jok would tell me sometimes yeah he would tell me what was going to happen on this plane for some reason i didn't listen to him and he was right he always is yeah there's a great clip last week in the practice interception that jacob had and Anthony's on the sideline, he had just rotated out, and he's on the sidelines to saying the exact drop to Jacob and then celebrates. There's a little video somebody took, it's awesome. Um, I would say that our room, the linebackers, we're in the middle of everything, so we need to all be the leaders. We need to help everybody up. We need to be the first people to celebrate, and I love that our guys are taking that to heart. And, uh, you know, we're competing to see who can be the number one leaders. But Anthony's always he's always first. He's full energy. He's awesome. Uh, Jacob Phillips has gotten better and better throughout camp. Learned how to take care of his body, making plays, made some good plays against the Eagles in practice. And uh, excited to see what he does this week. 
just been on a steady upward climb for Jacob. Jeremiah is like he like you just said, he still has some plays where he hasn't seen them yet. But what's been good is when he sees it, his explosiveness going forward and finding the ball. But he's still got to, you know, he's still got to make sure he knows 100% of his assignments and then make it easy in his own head on each call, which is exactly our process just like that. Do less. You know, learn the call, put yourself in the right spot, look at where you're supposed to go, and then go do it with his great ability. It's a room with a lot of great abilities, and I think it's a room where those four in particular feel very cohesive. It would be a thing where it could be easy to be really competitive, right? There are only so many snaps. I know they're all going to play, but what do you think about the camaraderie in your room and the continuity getting to have you got those guys in there? Yeah, they, they compete. They're, they compete, and they are at each other the right way, and that's been fun to watch. Every once in a while, I might have to pull them back a little bit. But I kind of like a lot of that, and I like where they're going. So we let we let a lot of that go when they're getting after each other about doing things the right way and the correct way and trying to get to get the ball before everybody else. Who's dominating in the meeting room? Oh, our meeting room is it's, – it's, I mean, between Anthony and Jacob making the calls really fast and Jordan's getting in there and he's starting to yell them out now too and Sione's getting faster. I mean, they're really fast. And then every once in a while, Jeremiah will just beat them to the punch. So they all are. It's great. It's a lot of fun. Because they, if I ask a question or Coach Bloom asks a question or Coach Dunn asks a question, it's a race to see who can get it right. I love that, and I love the competition. You're smiling right now. I know we're on radio, but if they could see it, you're smiling. Let's talk about the guys behind that big four because I think there's a real competition here to not only make this team but to carve a rollout on this team. Tony Fields played a lot, seven tackles in Jacksonville, had a lot of tackles again against the Eagles, some plays he probably wants back as well. But what are you seeing from him now in his second year, finally getting to play a lot of linebacker? Um, Tony's learning as he goes. And he's gotten to play the most snaps in the preseason, and that's by design because really he didn't get any of that opportunity a year ago because, because I mean, this is the first time we've seen him on the field. So there's things that he's seeing for the first time. And our biggest point of emphasis is, is you know, if, he, if, you, if it's not right the first time and we coach you on it, it needs to be right the next time. So that's right where Tony is in the process. But he likes contact and he'll run to the ball. Yeah, he's got a lot of speed sideline to sideline. We saw that on a couple chase down plays against the Eagles. Dakota Allen, veteran, been in the league, been a core special teams guy, led us in tackles down in Jacksonville. Feels like he's just kind of always where he's supposed to be. Yeah, Dakota's done a nice job because he's played all three linebacker positions since he's been here, and we got it. he got here right at the beginning of camp. So he's really studied, really worked, did extra meetings, um, taking care of his body the right way. I mean, he's he's a battler. He's a, he's a tough mindset. I love his mindset. He's a tough-minded guy, and it's he's fighting. And then I want to talk about a guy that I think you've got to love. I love watching him play, Jordan Kunashik. I mean, he is physical. He is always in the face of the ball carrier. He drives them back. His technique on his tackles seem to be excellent. He doesn't miss tackles. I don't know. There's something about him. I like this kid. And he's only been here for, what, two weeks? Yeah, we're, Jordan's done wonderful. He's a lock-in human being, and he's – He's amazing what he's been able to do really in two weeks. He controls his body at the top of his drops and running through tackles. He had a tackle in the game this week that we call a profile tackle, which is shoulders to the sternum. And then we talk about driving our feet for five steps and he started to drive. But there's a second part is if you can forklift or lift the leg out of the ground, you can't get a better tackle than what he did. The guys were on the sideline yelling, forklift, Anthony and Jacob are going crazy. It was awesome. It was one of the best forklifts. We're going to teach off of that one forever. To come in and be able to get teach tape, reps is pretty impressive so yeah we're excited to see jordan this week i mean like you said it's a battle these guys have all stepped up and hopefully continue to step up more because this game's going to be these guys are going to be fighting for for spots 
Yeah, and that's there's a lot of competition. Willie Harvey as well in that room. A lot of competition. Only so many spots, and I know you know who your top four are, but it, how big of a role does this week of practice and then this game against the Bears play and maybe determining who gets that final push onto this roster? Well, um, Coach Fanski will tell us who's playing, but I would expect to see all of these young men in this game and uh, how much will be determined by him. But, yeah, it's, it's going to be – this is a mock game week for us. And so the guys are going to have to lock into meetings and the, whoever locks in the best is going to give themselves the best chance. But we like them all. And you never know in this season. I mean, we need we need everybody. We need everybody on the practice squad. We need everybody who's around with the elevated practice squad numbers, you know, getting up to 12. That really helps us. So if you're not on the first week roster and you're on practice squad, you might be on the next week roster. So it's this thing moves and and we need everybody. What do you like the most? Watching film, meetings, practice, game day. Because you bring a, a similar intensity to all of it. I think you like it all. It's all the same to me. My number one goal is to be the same person every day. Sometimes I put. I can vouch for that. Check. Yeah, the same person every day and bring the energy. So to me, it doesn't matter the venue. It doesn't matter the venue. Everything, as soon as that clock starts, our, when we're on the clock, we're doing football and we're trying to get better to get after somebody. And that's it. We need two insights into your personality. Favorite movie of all time? Major League. Oh, nice. Even a little Cleveland tie there. All right. And then if you're going out, taking the wife out for a nice dinner in town, or is it, what's your go-to restaurant? Oh, in here. Uh, well, timetable's real close to the house, and we like to walk, and there's really good people, and our neighbors are in there. So we, we like it there, man. They, they got good food, good drinks, good everything. All right, make sure you take care of Coach Tarver next time he comes in there at timetable. Coach, thanks so much for the time. Excited to see your guys on Saturday night. All right, thank you. And we'll be back with more Cleveland Browns Daily right after this. Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. There's a new way to cheer on your Cleveland Browns with the help of your favorite four-legged companion, Barking Backers, presented by Milkbone, Cleveland's newest club for pet parents worldwide. Sign up today at BarkingBackers.com. Barking Backers, the fan club for dogs. Did you see that, uh, the Thrones numbers? 10 million? Biggest premiere ever. The original Thrones was 2.2. Did you watch it in real time or did you catch up on it? Were you in right away? Right away. Me too. Yeah, I watched it live the first week. I Same. remember watching it by myself. My dad was, I mean, not Pedro, was a huge fan, read all the books. So he knew. Oh, so he was like giddy. This was an event by the time it actually came oh out. Oh my God, I would have. Yeah. We should have him on as like our ombudsman on the breakdowns. Like, all right, I got to, I got to figure historical, out. See if he has a good handle in the history of this. Even if he doesn't, he will speak with great authority as if it matters yeah how much how much did did google and siri and stuff undercut his authority huge yeah bigly massive yeah massive huge that was he was probably one of the biggest casualties of google just as because he was he's highly intelligent man he is highly articulate and he was able to say things in a very convincing way that had no ability to be fact-checked unless you, you were going and found like an encyclopedia. Go to a library. Or, you had to go to a library. Now, instant fact-checking. Yeah, he's not a big not fan of that. that. No, no yeah. not at all. Yeah. Not at all. So $10 million is what it did. I didn't know if – I didn't know how it would be received because of 
You were more bullish than I was. I, I, was. I thought it would. I knew it would be decent. I had I definitely that. thought I you did. I believe you did have that. I thought it would be decent. I didn't think it would be that big. The thing about that is that doesn't even tell the true tale of it because it's actually probably a lot bigger because there's a lot of password sharing that's being done on HBO Max. For sure. You know, probably a couple million at least of that. Yeah. So when you think about 15 bucks a month times 10 million at least. Do the math. It goes pretty quick. Yeah. I'm, I am surprised they have not greenlit the second season yet. I would think that they would just greenlight immediately all of it at this they point. they want in the in the stack it. inside the episode and one of the things i read on the ringer with one of the producers that they, it's a they are hoping for a four season arc did they give you an idea of what that takes you through does that get you because the more and more i started to get excited about it because you know how i feel about prequels i talked about that yeah but then I, the more and more i got excited about the idea of and i think you got me thinking about this yesterday when we briefly talked about it i was thinking about how does all of this collapse? Right. Yes. Like that's what what's is exciting. Happened? What leads to, and I'm not going to read the books, and so it's you know. So you won't know. So I won't know. Me neither. What leads to the point that they're so vulnerable that normal men can defeat them? Well, and there's with the Robert's tales, rebellion, which comes, which I I'd love to watch Robert years. see Robert so and that's Ned Stark I'm, fighting side that's by side. That's what I'm wondering. How does how does it take it all the way to? We'll find out. To, you know, but 170 something years happens they go to the Targaryens. Their dragons start shrinking. Right. And without their dragons, they're men like anybody else. Right. That's so what what, what leads are. to? I mean, it How's feels like happen? it's actually a it's actually a pretty short timeline to go from the dragons that we all saw on Sunday night, fully formed, flying around like, I mean, those guys are like B twos flying around up there, to all of a sudden they're going to be they're going to start to shrink over time. I mean, what leads to that? In only 170 years. Well, we're about to find out. G Giddy up. Buckle in. Buckle There's in. There's a lot of. Cup. The other thing I was that I did read about it. I went down a rabbit hole last night about this. They are able to because it's not. It doesn't have the depth of a novel. There's going to be a lot of ways that Martin can manipulate the history that's there for it to be more entertaining or more fun if for it needs sure. Well, then that was because it's example, not the books. It's the, a kind of a history, right? It's a history. And the revelation of that it's been passed down, the Song yeah. of Fire and Ice has been passed. That was a revelation that you got only in that show. Yeah, which was cool. And ties it all together. Yeah. Now I'm in. I'm in. I was, yeah, you I was are, watching baby. a lot of it go. last night. Yeah, I'm in. There I'm we in. go. I was in watching it. As there soon as it started, I'm like, okay, I'm back. There We're we back. go. We're back. Let's do it. Yeah. All right, the next level's coming up next. We're back tomorrow. Cleveland Browns Daily, 850 ESPN Cleveland. You've been listening to Cleveland Browns Daily, a production of the Cleveland Browns and ESPN, 850 WKNR.